Hey everyone and welcome back to Rice and Shine. I'm Sophie. I'm Ava. I'm Lauren. And I'm Grace. And before we get started, we have some announcements. We're now on Spotify at Rice and Shine with the ampersands and Rice logo. And also in this episode, we're going to be taking it back a notch because in our past episodes, we've been covering really difficult topics, like serious topics. And this this is a bit of a more lighthearted episode. So it's going to be more conversational because it's like less heavy of a topic and stuff. So um, yeah, anyways, this year K-pop has finally been recognized in America with like BTS topping the charts, breaking world records, and getting nominated for the Grammys. And since the K-pop industry is pretty different from American pop, we thought we'd give everyone an intro. So have you guys heard of K-pop? I have. Sort of. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I have to. Well, I mean, I obviously have. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think of, like, when you think of K-pop? Mm. Choreography. Like, really extravagant. Or I don't know if that's accurate, but yeah. Yeah, that is pretty accurate. Like, yeah. Mm. I feel like it's very, like, visually pleasing. Or, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Very, yeah. like, the performances are. And the outfits and the makeup. And the yeah, hair. yeah. Style-oriented. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, takes a lot of work. Looks really tiring. <laughs> can be me. Yeah, I could never. <laughs> yeah. I think it has like a lot of negative stereotypes though. Oh yeah, I- Ava. Since you aren't as big of a K-pop fan as like the rest of us, have you heard any stereotypes about K-pop or um, K-pop like, idols? You know those crazy fans? Yeah, are they called like Twitter stands or whatever? I, that's all they're I've heard. Like that. Oh, they're <laughs> called. So like the crazy Twitter like. Fans. Yeah. They're like just the like really aggressive. Oh, yeah, so yeah. But the stalker ones, yeah. they're called Sazings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, on the, I was looking at the Wikipedia page for K pop, and I think there's a whole section. You were looking at the Wikipedia like, page. Okay, I don't know. I was trying to research. <laughs> was doing like, her research. Know. Yeah, and there's like a whole like section for just crazy fans, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, there's a lot to go. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about when it comes to fans, but before we talk about that, maybe we should talk about what K-pop is, because I feel like, I mean, of course it's short for Korean pop, but like, it is different from American pop in a couple ways, so I think, let's just, let's just go on that, you know? Like, okay. short well, for, for one, Korean pop. They mainly speak, well, they're gonna sing, slash speak in Korean. They have that style oriented way of choreography fancy hair fancy outfits aesthetically pleasing the whole shebang yeah very visual mm-hmm. based and i think what makes it really really different from american pop is like the process to get into a group have have you guys heard of that cuz it's pretty it's intense yeah, isn't there, like, a whole, like, debuting thing and, like, selection process? I don't know. Yeah, there's a selection yeah. process. Yeah, like, like, if an American artist were to, like, I guess, debut with a song, um, I mean, you can really, like, just, like, how we're putting this podcast on Spotify, it's not very hard to, like, start, but in Korea, um, you have to go through a training process where... You barely get enough sleep. You have to diet, and you have to practice singing, dancing, um, and so many other things. 
And I don't know, it's just, it's so much harder to become successful in Korea because there's so much practicing. Yeah. And, so, like, I'm talking these training periods are, like, for five plus years. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Also, on dieting, you know, when I, like, when I first, like, got introduced to this and everything, I thought dieting, like, oh, they're going keto, they're going vegan, you know. Keto. So they have to, like, <laughs> they don't eat for days and days and days just so they can get the figure that's it, that the media wants. Yeah. yeah. I think for certain companies, they, like, make you get under a certain weight or else you'll get cut, which is definitely the darker side of k-pop we'll probably do another episode on that just to go a bit more in depth but the process is another episode on the um like korean beauty standards because a lot of the reason for dieting and um part of like k-pop training is like how to appear on variety shows and how to act and look on tv and how to pose in front of cameras and stuff like that and a lot of that is because korea's beauty standards are on another level did you Mm -hmm. guys ever watch barbie charm school when you were little no (laughs) no (laughs) so barbie charm school barbie gets taken off to this like princess charm school turns out she's a princess and she has to do all this princess training so it's basically like that, but it's really intense. So anyone who's listening to this, who knows Barbie Princess Charm School, you know what's up, first of all. Second of all, think of Barbie Princess Charm School, but more intense and, like, a to- very toxic. Yeah, because, like, even after training for years and years, you still aren't guaranteed the chance to debut because people still get cut because, like... You know, even after practicing for years and years and years about, like, vocals, dance, languages, all that stuff, you could still get cut. And then all your time was just, like, wasted. So it's yeah, really, like, cutthroat. just throat. because you debut doesn't mean you'll be successful. Exactly. It's, like, so much work. And it's, like, well, it's not, like, guaranteed that you're going to succeed. So I think that's, like, a really, really hard part of K-pop. So now let's talk about K-pop and K-pop fan stereotypes, because there's so many of those. And we'll start with the fans, since we already talked about that a little bit earlier. So everyone's heard of, like, the overbearing Korea Boo fan who, you know, fetishizes K-pop idols and everything. What do we think about that? Let's just start with that. Um, it's very toxic, isn't it? Like, it's, I feel like it's going, like, one step too far. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like a couple, like... Lots of steps t- way too Wait, far. Wait, didn't one person, like, get surgery to be? Yes. Like, a- mm-hmm. I think I heard about that, but oh I was not Don't say his name. Don't say his name. No. Yeah, so this person, who we won't say his name, um, he has spent over $100,000 trying to get surgery to look like this Korean um, K-pop idol. And he's been on Dr. Phil for it, so. Yeah, that's... It's pretty, it's a really big issue because seeing that and when you have those features, it's just really awkward because, first of all, they don't look anything alike. And also, just what? <laughs> that that's doesn't seem healthy. So, yeah, that's a pretty bad representation of K-pop fans as a whole because that's what people think about when they think of K-pop fans, like those people who, like, attack everyone yeah, yeah. Really. there's definitely like a lot of negative connotations along with like k-pop fans i don't know like yeah yeah, yeah. like 
definitely for like some groups fan bases like they seem like the stereotype is that they're like very aggressive so i remember when we were planning this we were like do we want to say the members names because we don't want to be attacked by people (laughs) yeah because like korean is hard pronouncing stuff right is hard except for grace because she speaks korean but we were worried that we would get attacked by k-pop fans and i found that most of us don't do that like most of us are just chill and like want to support our favorite bands and whatever like you know yeah it's a good time another thing about k-pop fans is that a lot of people well like mostly in america people think that if you like a band, like um, a boy band, you're automatically one of those like teenage girls who has an obsession with this band. Like that stereotype of how these boy bands, their target audience is like teenage girls. And while that may be true for people in America, like K-pop in Korea isn't just targeted towards like teens. A lot of people listen to K-pop. And I think that's starting to happen in, like, America, too. Because, like, you see, like, adult fans. And then you also see fans of all different genders, ethnicities, and sexualities, and ages. So I feel like, yeah. I feel like that's, like, a positive thing about K-pop fans. Yeah. I think part of the appeal for K-pop is, well, with some groups, they spread, spread, not sped spread really meaningful messages and i think it's really cool how the fan base is so diverse and people just choose to overlook that sometimes because like there's like that one percent of k-pop fans who are crazy and like i don't know but most of us are like just regular people who want to like enjoy music it's it's not like that much of a big deal in my opinion yeah i saw that and our grace oh go ahead okay I saw this post the other day, and it was like, if you just listen to their songs and you, like, like their stuff, then you're just a casual listener. If you, like, vote, like, it was just, like, this tier of, like, the biggest fan to, like, a casual listener. And I think it's, the fans are held at a very high standard by each other. So, like, if you're, like, a big fan of them, you're expected to vote for every, like, show that they're on. You're expected to like own all of their merch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you don't see that in the Western music industry, which I think is really interesting. There's definitely a hierarchy almost of fans, and I don't know. Right, the behavior is very different. Oh from my god! Like um, in China, a bunch of these BTS fans um, they paid sixty-eight grand to get one of the bts members on like this building it's like one of the tallest buildings i think i mean i don't know maybe if i was rich i would invest more of my money into like like k-pop merch and stuff but i can't imagine spending more than like a couple hundred dollars on you know right like we love them a lot but why not enough to spend a couple grand the thing is, like, the 68 grand for that big, uh, like, picture of one of the BTS members, it was for three minutes. Yeah. Because, that's like, it's so, thing. like, hard to, like, advertise anything on that building, apparently. So, 68 grand for three minutes. 
I mean, as interesting as that is, you also have to question, is that a waste of money? Just have that on there for three minutes. And I get that you're trying to support them, but... There's other ways to do that. There's other (laughs) ways to do that. You can stream their music, whatever, but I feel like that's a lot of money to put into something trivial almost. Yeah. But I think we've discussed K-pop fans a lot, so let's move on to the K-pop idols, because... There's a ton of stereotypes, and I'm going to talk mostly about the boy group ones, just because I'm more familiar with those, but obviously, like, girl groups are subjected to it, too. Like, it's everywhere. And, like, a couple examples are that the boys look like girls, because, like, male idols are known to challenge gender norms, like, experimenting with their style. And I think that's so cool, but there's obviously people out there who criticize them and say that they look like girls and that they can't be like. can't be masculine if they wear clothes typically worn on girls like skirts and like sheer tops that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so let's talk about that for a second well I think definitely just within this year we've seen a rise of um anti-toxic masculinity so I think that there is there's definitely more acceptance coming for it you know and a lot of the influence because you know femboys and whatever a lot of the influence for that is from the k-pop industry them wearing makeup and whatever and when you see that you're not thinking at least for me i'm not thinking like oh they look so feminine i'm just thinking oh like that's cool makeup you know and i think that just circles back around to toxic masculinity and how that's rooted in our society and all that right like When I see their makeup and I see them in these, like, gorgeous outfits and stuff, I'm not thinking, oh, that's kind of weird. Why do they look like girls? Like, that's so – why would you think that? I'm just like, oh, my gosh, they look so beautiful. Yeah. And and it's so normal to me because – They look sick because, you know, us girls, it's where it's at. Facts. And, like, I think – I don't know. I feel like the people saying, oh, they look gay. Oh, they look feminine. Oh, they wear like makeup and jewelry. I think the people saying that have like some sort of um, like um, complex or insecurity about themselves. Yeah. And I think it's because um, like girls, especially like Gen Z and like everybody on TikTok, like it's more attractive when guys wear rings and they paint their nails and like lots of jewelry and like eyeliner and like all of these things that are like feminine or attractive on guys too and I don't know it's like I don't I don't know it's really frustrating when people don't understand that right there's also another stereotype that because male k-pop idols wear makeup regularly for performances and interviews that you know people think they're gay or no call them gay and there's like a lot to unpack with this one and we briefly touched on this earlier but like what do we think once again it just circles back to how deeply rooted toxic masculinity is and that people believe that if men want to do these quote-unquote typically feminine things that they are gay and whatever And you know what? If they are gay, good for them. You know, so what? Like, that's none of our business. But I think just because they do express more feminine, which I think really just style. I think when you have that variety of styles, that really just elevates you, I guess. 
it's not like using gay as an insult is incredibly like, yeah that's like disgusting you shouldn't do that that's wrong. really messed up but um i think they're not trying to say like oh i think your sexuality is that you're gay i think people are trying to say like they're using it as an insult yeah exactly like they're using it as an insult so yeah which is one of like the many things wrong with this sentence and like okay everyone wears makeup on tv like all celebrities do every like like, the people who are like there is this one guy and he was like oh this k-pop group is gay and i remember thinking like his favorite athlete like the celebrities he likes they wear makeup all the time and they wear you know feminine clothing like everybody does it now I and mean, it's 2020 it should be yeah people really need now. to be more accepting like i think it's really cool that they do their makeup to like enhance the theme they're going for and i really like seeing it and i think it's really beautiful so i don't want them to like stop <laughs> i don't i don't get why people yeah are and then also them. you have to wear makeup if you're on tv yeah like, oh, you can't you can't yeah that's been like that for a very very long time right and then when they do more elaborate like performance makeup that becomes more noticeable people like insult that but like i was saying it's i like how it enhances the theme of like the song that they're performing yeah i think if they took out the makeup they took out all these feminine quote-unquote feminine clothes all that that style an element of their like k-pop as a whole almost would be lost because so much of it is having that sense of style you know and without that it would be a very different industry you could say yeah exactly because of the visual based sort of thing Mm -hmm. right and now i think let's discuss like the songs in general because that's like another thing that makes them different from American pop because, like, K-pop has tons of different genres inside of it. And Ava studies music, so Ava, what do you think about the songs? So I think a lot of, like, K-pop takes some inspiration from classical music. And as a classical musician, I think that's, like, really cool because there's also been, like, some history behind some of their songs. Um, for example, there's this one K-pop, I don't really remember the song name or the group, but they took inspiration from one of Mozart's symphony. And part of their production had some sort of like Salieri versus Mozart sort of theme. And I thought that was really cool that they were tying in these like classical elements into their visuals as well as their vocals and their songs. Right. Like we don't see a lot of that in American pop. So that's definitely one of the things that makes K-pop so unique. Yeah, like, pretty diverse, and I really like that. A lot of K-pop songs made by, like, different artists, you know, like BTS, for example, are spreading really good meetings, and that's, like, let's just talk about some of those songs and meetings. So we've, well, I don't know if people have heard of this, but they do have the Love Yourself campaign. And, yeah, yeah, loving yourself, I think it's, it's really hard, and I'm so glad that BTS, like, one of the biggest bands in the world is using their influence to spread that message. Cause I think in American pop, I don't see a lot of that. I mostly see like, I mean like songs about love and stuff, which like that's cool and whatever, but I think spreading all those good meanings 
makes K-pop really unique. And, you know, when during BTS's performances, they always like say things like use BTS to love yourself. And that just means a lot to me. I don't know about you guys, but since loving yourself is just so hard, it's so nice to like have this feeling that seven other people, for example, if we're talking about BTS are like there with you because they've definitely struggled with it before. And I'm sure they still do because everyone struggles with that, but they've created such amazing music that helps you like gain confidence. It helps you become happier. Well, they have a bunch of different songs for a ton of different messages and everything. So they kind of makes you feel like you're not alone with your struggles. And I think that's so important. And we don't see enough of that in American music. So I think that's also like a huge part of K-pop, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Often in the American or Western music industry, it's the messages, oh, we're sad. Let's be sad together. And as much as that is like a good message, like you're not alone in that, I think it's also a good message to have love yourself, you know? Yeah, and I feel like even though you might not understand the songs, you can always look up their lyrics and their music is good. And when you combine the music with the lyrics, it just becomes really powerful because their lyrics have a lot of meaning behind it. Yeah, and the songs themselves, like hearing them, it's so comforting. Like they have different songs for different moods, but like if you're you know, sad. There's there's songs that will help uplift you. And I think even if you don't understand the lyrics, like just hearing the music on its own is already so powerful because like hearing, first of all, the people that it's coming from and like the message that they're trying to convey, it's it's already so comforting. So it's I think it's really cool how K-pop has that effect. I think another reason why it's really popular is because, um, like, particularly BTS, they're very vulnerable with themselves, and they project that onto their lyrics. Like, they'll talk about uh, mental health a lot, which is something that kind of isn't talked about in Korea, if we're talking about that. Like, mental health has a lot of stigma around it, so they're doing a lot um, for that. Yeah, I think... Mental health is just so important and hearing someone that like you look up to talk about it also goes back to that sort of thing of feeling like you're not alone because like it's really hard to get through mental health struggles, but you're not alone. You know, so many other people also struggle with this and it's really comforting to know that. So I think that's it's really good that they're using their uh, influence to talk about these issues. Now, another big part of K-pop is the community, both within the group and with the fan base. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? I think a big <laughs> part of the bond between the artist and the fans is that the artist is so appreciative to the fans. For example, like when they're on award shows and they just won something, it's they always first thank the fans. Yeah. I and that's think... something sorry, you wanna go ahead? Oh no, you can okay. that's something you rarely see in Western media. Usually when they're thanking someone for an award, it's usually oh thanks to my family, thanks to my producer, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And as much as that's important, 
that is important. But I think a big part of the reason the artist and the fans are so bonded is because the artists are always really grateful to the fans. Right. Especially in an industry as tough as the K-pop industry, you know, growing is really hard. So when they're on that journey, you see the members grow and you also grow with them. So you feel kind of like family, like they make you feel like family since you see their successes, their struggles, and you realize that they're just people that are like you, you know, they started from nothing and they're making their way up the social ladder and I think that definitely forges forges (laughs) that definitely creates a bond between the artist and fan base because you truly do feel their thankfulness towards you for supporting them if that makes sense I definitely feel like um especially in Asia it's not just the k-pop idols who just happen to be really great people it's um culture to be very appreciative and it's looked down on when um, celebrities especially don't give gratitude and don't donate to charities and things like that so I think Asia is a little bit more um, they're very particular about manners when it comes to celebrities so I think that's a big part of it and yeah there are a lot of K-pop idols who've done um, a lot for things and like there have been K-pop idols who have donated to charities in America, just like the Black Lives Matter movement that happened during the summer. So I think that's really cool. Right. And then also within the group, there's like this community that I don't, I don't see often in American pop. Like you see the members grow close to each other and, you know, learn how to work together. And they eventually, I think, become like family to each other. And that really shocks like a lot of people I think because when I like first introduced k-pop to my family and we were watching (laughs) BTS's carpool karaoke with uh I watched that too with my family yeah I love that video but when they mentioned that they had been living together for you know 10 years now everyone was really shocked because you know American stars they don't do that (laughs) you know Yeah, I think it's because they have had this, they've lived, like most groups, they live together in a set of dorms with their bandmates. And within that, like, as you're saying, we see them growing on screen, but they see each other growing both on screen and off screen since they're almost always together. And I think that definitely plays a role in the bond that is forged between the members of a group and I think also because they understand each other's struggles, the struggles within the industry, because like when we were talking about training, they do that for five years or more. And they know what it's like to go through the evaluations, what it's like to have to go on these extreme diets and on and on and on. And I think as much as we have an understanding of that as fans and just as people, they have a deeper understanding because they're going through the exact same thing together. That definitely plays a role in them getting closer to each other because I mean, we already talked about this, but American stars, they don't, they're not super close, but like K-pop stars, they, you can tell that they genuinely care about each other, which also sets K-pop apart from American. I think that what, how, what we're talking about and how, 
um, we talk about like seeing members grow close and stuff. I think um, we mostly want to mention BTS because even though BTS is really big, they're very genuine and um, that's why they have so many fans. I think um, a lot of K-pop stars who don't make it and who aren't as successful as BTS, they don't really have that bond with their teammates because, I don't know, we're all human. Sometimes you just don't vibe with people. So I think BTS is a very special and rare case. And I know there are a lot of K-pop groups just as talented and just as close like they are. Um, but yeah, not all not all Korean stars are, you know, oh, yeah. great people. So that's another thing to mention. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. But yeah, BTS really is something special. That sounds so cheesy. But we're planning to do a separate episode about them. But just to talk about them, because obviously they're a big part of K-pop. Um, they're, it's really unique to find a group like them, which is definitely why they've grown such a big fan base because they started a long time ago and they didn't actually become successful until pretty recently. So, you know, they're still really humble. And I know they came from tons of different spots and some of the members, you know, started from like really tough, tough spots in life and seeing them grow from that, it, yeah, it's really unique experience. And just circling back to what Grace said about not everyone being perfect or like people not being good is that that's not only in the K-pop industry, K-pop idols, it's with every celebrity. Every like you'll never truly know them unless like some weird circumstance, but you never truly know them. So they could be I mean as much as we do love and praise these celebrities you also have to recognize that you'll never know them and that there could be a different side to them that we haven't seen yet yeah there are a couple examples of that in k-pop and i guess i'll just mention it briefly like one of the members from stray kids left for personal reasons and then later we found out that like he wasn't a very good person and that's yeah, that's another thing. So you, we definitely don't know them personally, but I feel like after watching them grow up for seven years with, like, BTS, we kind of get, like, the gist, <laughs> right? Like, no, nobody's perfect, of course, which, you know, we've seen their successes and their failures. So, you know, it becomes pretty evident that, you know, they're not always going to be happy. They're not always going to be motivated and stuff, which, like, it's just, like, regular people. And I think people forget that about celebrities, that they're just regular people. Yeah, I think definitely in the K-pop industry, if you take, for example, um, the group and Hypen, they just debuted. And the people in there are our age. Their age is like 14 to 18, which is insane. But before they debuted, they were at some airport. This was during COVID, too. And there were just so many people that started, like, coming up to them and they started, like, mobbing them, you know? And I think that's often a big part of just, I don't know, following celebrities is that we place them on such a pedestal that we forget that they're human, too. They have the same basic needs as we do. Yeah. And NHOPEN are just kids, so definitely definitely need to recognize that. And on that note, that about wraps up our intro to K-pop. 
And we're planning to do future episodes that focus on different groups and different aspects of this industry because it's pretty complex. So make sure to check us out on Spotify at Rice and Shine with the ampersands and Rice logo. And yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.